Jesus said, the kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow, and he does not know how. The earth produces of itself, first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. But when the grain is ripe, at once he goes in with his sickle because the harvest has come. He also said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable will we use for it? It is like a mustard seed, which when sown upon the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them except in parables, but he explained everything in private to his disciples. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Praise to you, Lord Christ. While those verses are still echoing in your head, I wonder what images or phrases or words you stumbled over or something that caught your attention, something that seemed strangely compelling or weird. Uh, what was like Moses' burning bush that uh, caused you to turn aside and look when you heard that word or that phrase or that image there? The thing about parables is they, as Emily Dickens said, Dickinson said, they tell the truth, but they tell it slant. They tell us about God. They tell us about the kingdom of God in an oblique kind of way, which means it's very much open to interpretation, but also open to relating the images and stories to our own lives. We bring our own experience to understanding the kingdom of God through the use of, of parables. So here's some things that kind of struck me when I was hearing these, when I read them, I've been meditating on them, studying them. In the first parable, we have a gardener who, the Greek actually says he throws seed on the ground. So he's not even, he's not even sowing seed. He's not actually preparing the ground to receive the seed. He's just throwing seed on the ground. He throws seed on the ground and then he takes a nap and he sleeps and he rises day, night. He's observing what's happening with the plants. He's noticing how the, you know, first the stalk and then the head and then the grain in the head. So he's watching what's going on, but what he's watching is the earth producing of itself. The earth is producing of itself. The gardener has nothing to do with actually the actual process of growth in the plant or in the plants uh, from the seeds that have been scattered. There's a, something in the way that the gardener is enjoying, trusting what's happening in that natu natural process. Um, the way the earth produces of itself, the Greek there is actually the same word that we now use for the word automatic. So the soil is growing the earth automatically. Um, the gardener apparently doesn't feel any need to cultivate it, water it, weed it, any of that. And if this were actually how gardening worked, I would be the best gardener ever. I am 
lots of natural gifts that would be well suited to this kind of gardening. So uh, in this first parable, we have the sleeping gardener in the automatic soil. He has trust in what's going on. He has what St. Paul calls, calls confidence. He has confidence in what's going on in that process. The harvest comes and he gets out of sickle. This is the one thing that he does after sowing the seed. He gets a sickle when it's time for the harvest. This is an example too of where there's some ambivalence here for me. It's like, well, does that make the gardener a person who is tending to the sacred in their life by scattering sacred seed and watching it grow of its own accord and not trying to force things? And then when the time is ripe, it's time to reap that harvest, not just for themselves, but to feed spiritually the world, uh, family, community around them. Um, or is the gardener God? Because God, when the time is right, harvests uh, from God's creation. Um, that could mean a whole lot of things. In the context of this day and age, when these parables were being spoken, it could mean there's a day of judgment coming. It's time for a harvest because it has that valence too. So that, that's what comes to mind for me. And again, um, a parable, I had a liturgy professor who said, a symbol that only has one meaning is not actually a symbol. It has to have at least two meanings because that's what the word symbol means. It means thrown together. So however many meanings sort of are evoked by this, you know, so be it. The next parable is about another gardener who, this gardener just seems flat out foolish. He plants, this does say he sows mustard seed, which is basically an invasive weed. Why would a person sow mustard seed inside a cultivated garden? It's said that a weed is simply a plant in the wrong place. So there's nothing wrong with mustard uh, plants per se. You know, God doesn't have a judgment about mustard plants. But if I were a gardener and I was also planting beans and tomatoes and squash and pumpkins and everything else, I probably would not want a mustard bush in there. They grow very vigorously, very fast, and uh, they become, you know, as big as a person or even larger. They are, uh, they are the mightiest shrub, which is a bit of an oxymoron too. The mightiest shrub, not just any ordinary shrub, but the mightiest. There is an element of hospitality here. The birds come and make their homes in the nest uh, and nest in its branches. But there's something here that strikes me uh, in my own experience, in my own life, where God wants in our cultivated garden that is our life that we spend so much time ordering and keeping in order and tending to so everything's just the way we like it that we would plant in that garden in the middle of that garden something that is completely wild that you kind of can't cultivate because it's a it's a weed and it uh because that's how it that's how it grows there's something about that uh, god wants some wildness in the middle of our cultivated life. It's interesting, uh, I love this line from Paul when he says, if I am beside myself, like if I'm out of my mind, 
it's for God. But when I'm in my right mind, it's for you. There's wildness in my life that is for God. There's a cultivated part of my life that's for the world, for my family, uh, for my community. So there's the two images, the sleeping gardener, and then the, seems to me, foolish gardener. Why would you do that? And you might have your own images. They might strike you, you know, in, in your own particular way, in your own particular context. The key is the parable is drawing us into the mystery of God. The key is the parable, as we uh, think about it, contemplate it, the parable is drawing us into an encounter with God. The parable is drawing us into a relationship with God and with Christ, which is why Paul uh, says, not only did Jesus only teach in parables, but Jesus explained the parables or just talked about them, clarified them in private. Because once they, uh, people have been drawn in or the disciples were drawn in or the crowds, because he's preaching to everybody, drawn in by these parables, things that make you go, hmm, that sort of illuminate something in your life in a way that's never been illuminated before. There's the revelatory aspect of a parable drawn into Jesus's presence where they might start to take on some kind of meaning where Jesus in the relationship with Jesus and the presence of Jesus is love that's reflected onto us, maybe that parable starts to take on some kind of meaning that really does make sense. And we really do not only understand what the kingdom is or what it's about, how it operates, but we actually start to enter into that kingdom so we can bear the presence of the kingdom and testify to the kingdom ourselves. The text says that Jesus um, uh, he said he, he gave them the word as they were able to hear it. Yeah, spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. Meaning he's a fantastic teacher. So he gives the word as people uh, are able to hear it. And then uh, there's also this wonderful line that says, um, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable will we use for it? The what parable will we use for it? Uh, the Greek there actually reads, what parable will I put it inside? So I have this, this uh, revelation that I'm trying to convey. And in order to do that, I'm gonna use a parable and I'm gonna put the word, put that revelation inside a parable so that I can share it with people that way. In other words, the parable, it reveals, but it also kind of conceals at the same time. What parable shall, shall I put it inside? How do I convey the word in a parable in a way that people can bear it uh, and can hear it? Well, the word of God is continually spoken and it is uh, all around us in the form of the cosmos and God's creation, every creature that God created, God has this love affair with, God so much wants to be part of God's own creation that he incarnated himself in the person of Jesus so that he could 
be on the earth with us and show us his way, show us the way back to him, show us the way back to reconciliation with him and with all people, all of our brothers and sisters. That's how much God loves us and loves his creation. So if you think about it, if uh, creation is God's word, he creates by speaking, let there be light, let there be earth, let there be water, et cetera, et cetera. God creates by speaking, everything we see is God's word. Then everything we see around us is a sacrament. It, it is a visible, outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace. And it's also a parable. It's something where God's, the inner life of God is being reflected to us through these uh, words that are spoken to us, through this word that, is, that, is, uh, that we see all around us incarnated in the form of God's creation. So in the next week or so, I invite you to consider this. As you look around, you could do something as simple as go for a walk, uh, walk by faith and not by sight with the ears of your ears open and the eyes of your eyes open. Carefully observe what you see, note what captures your attention and draws you in, what burning bush do you turn aside to see? What calls you by your heart to enter more closely into the presence of the divinity that you might become aware of? And ask yourself or say to yourself, whatever that, for whatever that is, the kingdom of God is like. Amen. Oh,